Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 146, with Dr. Aditya Nagrath, who is uh, running Elephant Learning uh, and working to help build learner confidence through his Mathematics Academy. Uh, so really interesting conversation, you know, kind of relates more to uh, how students are prepared as they come into higher education uh, in their K through 12 years, but definitely just some larger implications about um, kind of the context of learner confidence and um, kind of just the foundational relevance of mathematics nowadays as uh, data becomes more interwoven into all disciplines and um, just the ways that we can help students as they uh, go through their uh, primary schooling uh, to be more confident uh, and to have kind of more understanding of the lingo and language of mathematics. So uh, he's doing great work. It was great to talk about it with him uh, and hear a little bit about his story and his work and how he approaches everything. So uh, definitely go check out him, uh, connect with him, keep the conversation going and check out Elephant Learning and uh, what they're up to. Uh, but without further ado, this is episode number 146 with Dr. Aditya Nagrath. All right, everybody, we are here uh, as the podcast goes on. Uh, I'm excited to kind of continue to explore uh, the broader context and environment that uh, Hired finds itself in. You know, it's it's not an island, never has been, and connects directly to, you know, the world of work and K through 12 and uh, the communities that they uh, are a part of. So uh, our conversation today kind of goes more on uh, kind of the earlier side and the pipeline uh, that we find students kind of going through uh, as they prepare for and enter college. Uh, so super excited to learn more myself, and I know you all uh, will as well. But uh, we will start out, as we always do, uh, with our guests introducing themselves and giving a brief overview of their professional journey and how they got to be where they are today. My name is uh, Dr. Aditya Nagraf. Uh, I've got a PhD in mathematics. Um, I've worked at companies like Dish Network, uh, Timing Solutions, um, Pearson, uh, I've worked on projects ranging from IoT to embedded Linux to web to um, basically anything with the chip. I've written software for it. Um, got a PhD in math and computer science in 2008. From there, started my own uh, contract software engineering firm. And um, in 2016, started looking for a new uh, venture. And uh, in doing so, discovered that um, uh, that four out of five students actually start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum. And so me and another professor of mathematics uh, basically designed a system to uh, quickly teach children mathematical uh, language and um, and actually, you know, get them to be able to understand the teacher in the classroom. And we actually started with counting, but uh, we've gone all the way through algebra, basically with the goal that we could take someone at university level um, in maybe a calculus course or a statistics course and get them enough language that they can participate in the classroom. Yeah, and I know it's one of those areas where, um, you know, and we'll get more in depth with this, just like, like math can be hard for a lot of people. And it's an area that people can be intimidated by and, you know, just not have a lot of confidence in. So uh, yeah, I can imagine uh, just a very worthwhile area to to focus on. So I guess, yeah, so, uh, you know, your venture here, Elephant Learning, uh, this math academy, uh, if you just want to explain a little bit just for everyone's understanding, like a little bit about what your uh, team there does, like sort of what, what is your sort of methodology? Yeah, so 
I'll talk about the, the, the mathematics and not the like marketing and software development and et cetera. Sure, sure. Um, but basically we focus on teaching mathematics as a language. It's what in higher education you would call conceptual learning. Uh, so in the education departments, that's what they're calling it. And, um, but we found it like easier to explain to people as the language of mathematics, because really what the conceptual mathematics is doing is it's treating mathematics like another jargon and everybody learns jargon for work. Um, but it, it treats it like a jargon and it teaches that to the, to the children. So when we looked at the research coming out of higher education, um, on the most effective ways to teach uh, these ideas to children, they come out as activities. And the reason why is because teaching mathematics as a language is sort of like teaching the colors to a child. They have to actually kind of see it. But in this case, we're talking about an idea. So like if you're teaching your child red, you show them a red truck, you show them a red ball, you show them a whole bunch of red things, you label the red and they infer that the color is what you mean by red. Um, like for young children, you'd show them different quantities of things and um, let them touch them and count them and then be able to label that as a certain number, like three, I have three cards. And then they start to pick up that the quantity is what you're speaking about. But it doesn't stop there because, you know, there's all the ideas that are surrounding the quantities, such as, uh, the idea of more or less, which is addition, subtraction, and like being able to kind of understand the different representations for it. So like beyond physical objects, sometimes we represent it on a line or we represent them in grids. And so like, that's really kind of what it is. And we just, we, we use the research as far as it went, but we're both math professors. So from there, we started designing what would be our own curriculum, again, with the goal of just can we get the kids to understand the teacher in the classroom? Because the research and like philosophically, this is true, but the research showed <laughs> that if the student understood the, the teacher in the classroom, then the outcome is better. Yeah, and I guess like just to make sure I have the understanding clear, like, so you like you see it as like supplemental, maybe kind of like tutorial, you know, uh, math instruction versus like that this would be like replacement for what a student would learn in their like, you know, K through 12 classroom or something. So like, first of all, it's experiential. So like mm. they get a puzzle and they have to solve the puzzle. And that's how we get the student to exhibit the idea. Now, like, again, right. They just have to do it enough times that when they, that when we're speaking about it, they start to understand, Oh, when they're talking about uh, five plus four, they're talking about the idea of give me five things give me four more things. How many do I have now? And so like, as we're giving them those experiences, but we are also giving the teacher and the parent language that they can then use that connects back to the student. So like, for example, if I'm working with my student and, um, and he was having issues with five plus four, that's what I would say is I'd say, well, that's give me five things. Give me four more things. How many do I have now? And since he played that within the app, he has that experience. He knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it, yeah, I think like you said for parents and for uh, teachers being a great kind of tool that they can use to hopefully uh, kind of augment what they're doing. Um, but I guess just to kind of make the, 
I guess the problem uh, more clear, like from your point of view, like what do you see as like the impacts of students' lack of success in a subject like math? Because it, it is, you know, very foundational and students are, you know, taking math courses throughout their entire uh, educational journeys, you know, to some extent. So, you know, sometimes they can definitely get kind of stuck up on certain concepts if they don't have like the language like you're talking about and everything. So, you know, what do, what do you see as like those those impacts? Well, I mean, the impacts are kind of huge. So like, if you want to measure it economically, um, what we know is that eighth grade mathematics predicts whether you'll drop out of high school. And in 2007, a study was done by Congress and they found that I think 320 billion was the number, $320 billion of lost lifetime wages from people that didn't graduate high school in 2007. This doesn't count people that are gonna switch majors. So for example, and at the university level, like we see, we've seen this all the time, we will see students switch out of engineering. We'll see them switch out of STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, due to the mathematics requirements. And they'll typically switch to business. But these days, because business is so data-driven, statistics becomes very important for the subject matter that they, they're starting to teach. And... Um, they're even switching out of business now and they all switch to humanities. So this crisis that we're having with student debt is partially caused uh, by the lack of mathematics understanding of our students coming through high school. And I mean, in 2019, uh, the NAECP statistics said that 75% of high school students are not proficient at high school mathematics. So like for the universities, uh, and the schools in this country, I mean, it, it's almost like a, a survival question because like as a species, we're, we're moving more towards data, which means that we're moving more towards mathematics and understanding the ideas of mathematics. I mean, uh, computer science is a branch uh, of mathematics. Engineering would be a branch of mathematics. It's an applied mathematics field. You see what I'm saying? So like the, these are the impacts now, like these happen to also be where the high paying jobs are. I mean, and it's not a coincidence. The, the United States government takes up the military budget year over year, funding most of the companies that are hiring the smartest engineers to design airplanes and missiles and, you know, Raytheon and Boeing and all these guys, they're, they're getting that defense money. So like, I mean, it's not going away, at, at least as far as I can see. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Just like all those uh, fields being like applied mathematics, because that's true. And I mean, it's funny because like what you're saying is exactly an experience I've had uh, been witnessing is that my, my wife just started a job a few months ago as an academic advisor for business students. And uh, yeah, it's been just like this, you know, uh, sort of trying to think of the right colorful metaphor but just sort of this hurdle for so many students is these like math classes because they just yeah like we're best set up for success and you know they're trying to evaluate other options and everything because you know if they can't pass calculus or you know whatever course it is then they can't move on you know in the business curriculum and everything so uh, that's definitely one kind of clear example yeah this, because like everyone comes to me and calculus is the example and, and the challenge, I guess, is that differential differentiation and, and integration, it just appears to be so 
underused it, right? Like they, they say, when are you ever going to use this? Because like, really it's kind of brushing with infinity, but at the same time, again, these ideas are kind of everywhere out there. Like in the financial world, options are called derivatives because they actually behave like a functional derivative to the stock. You see what I mean? So like, if you can understand the idea in mathematics, then you can understand the idea in finance, then you can understand the idea if it comes to biology or physics or uh, whatever it may be that you're trying to do with the differentiation, right? And so like, can I answer to you, when are you going to use differentiation or integration in your profession, right? And this is like the main argument that a student has, like, right? Like, uh, when am I going to use this? Like, look, I can't tell you that, but here's what I can tell you. If you don't understand the idea, you never are going to use it. It's actually a tool to help you solve problems. So you either want the tool or you don't want the tool. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like some uh, very good, tough love uh, for folks. Cause yeah, I think that is always like a, a retort to students is just like, Oh, what's the point? Or like, when are we going to use this? Whatever. It's like, there you go. There's your, uh, there's your response. Someone asked me the other day that, have you ever had to use differentiation while you were coding? And I said, that completely depends on what I'm coding. If I'm coding the physics for a gaming engine. Yeah. Potentially. <laughs> You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm taking data in and out of the database, yeah, probably not. But like again, the university's job is to provide you with tools. And the thing is, is that like having calculus maybe as a prerequisite is sort of. Uh, I mean, as a mathematician, I feel like it's necessary because like there's some very beautiful ideas in there that are necessary for human beings. But like. For example, in computer science, when you're analyzing the algorithms, it's very rare for you to have to use differentiation or integration. You use logarithms, which is they typically teach that in calculus, but it's a different idea. Uh, so, like, uh, you know, I don't know if it's like it should be a prerequisite, but like, I mean, again, why not provide the students with tools like these these tools? They're extremely useful when you can figure out when to apply it, but the only way you're going to do that is to try. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think this is really good because I think you've like, given really tangible examples of like, yeah, I mean, like it is, unfortunately, I think it's kind of maybe just like a crass turn of phrase, but it like, you know, at times is time wasted for students, which can accumulate debt uh, if they're, you know, pursuing down a path with a degree plan and because they can't get through calculus, they have to change and things might not transfer and all that. And then also just the lack of qualified candidates uh, getting to employers that need people with these skills and everything. You know, so there's really clear kind of uh, dots being connected here of like the impact, you know, the outcomes of students not having these skills uh, in mathematics. But, you know, so, you know, students are engaging in the work that you're doing. On the other side, like, how do you see your work kind of just like, supporting broader learner confidence. Cause I think, like I said, like my anecdotal point of view would be that, you know, so many students just feel like they're quote unquote dumb because they don't get math. And that it has to be just sort of, you know, baggage that they're carrying around that's sort of weighing them down just generally as they're, you know, uh, in learning environments, whether that's, you know, in K through 12 or in college. So, you know, do you see you, you, your work kind of just helping kind of unlock those things and kind of remove some of that weight? most of the work that we're doing is sort of working with math anxiety. I mean, the first way that you resolve math anxiety is you get the student to understand the ideas because once they've understood the ideas, those ideas are no longer scary. People are not typically scared by ideas. 
Um, and the emotions that we feel are real. I mean, like there's like people, people are, sometimes are crying. People sometimes are very angry. Sometimes, right? Like the reaction um, <laughs> to having to do it can be completely wide, right? But like, if when you see the truth of it, right? Because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a very precise philosophy. The thing is, is that like, it's very satisfying for a human being to receive like actual truth. That alone does a lot. But a lot of the math anxiety is sort of our attitude towards mathematics, kind of as society or human beings or however you want to put it. Because like the analogy that we give now to parents uh, and soon to teachers, if you treat our system sort of like a basketball hoop, you know what I mean? if you treat mathematics like a basketball hoop. So the gamification that we created was actually to turn mathematics into a game, right? Because then the idea of being wrong doesn't have an implication upon the human being, which is typically what's happening. I was wrong. That means I'm stupid. This guy over here gets it, but I don't get it, right? But like the truth is, is 75% of the classroom does not get it because they didn't receive the language coming into kindergarten. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So like there is no actual implication. And so therefore, right? Like the idea is, is just, can you take a shot and can you be okay with the ball not going in? Now, if it's basketball, human beings treat it a lot different. It's just try again. But if it's mathematics and the student starts crying, they might say something like, oh, well, if you're going to cry, it's not worth it. Let me just take this away. Yeah, it's an interesting metaphor. And I think, yeah, there's just... Yeah, I think so much of an emotional piece here as much as it is just like, you know, very uh, specific, you know, uh, learning that's going on around mathematics, which can be, you know, uh, fairly precise and everything. But yeah, because I think like probably most people's like, yeah, if they have like a traumatic exam experience, it might be around something like mathematics, but then they just, you know, carry that over to just have kind of test anxiety because they, you know, had that difficult experience and everything. So um it's yeah, just like it's everything else in life. Yeah. The, the scars of the parents come down to the children, even if they're trying to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point too. Yeah. Whether it's like our own experiences of that, of our, uh, our parents and sort of their confidence, you know, comfort around these things. Uh, yeah. So there, there's definitely a lot to acknowledge there and uh, to kind of empathize with and work through. And um, yeah. So I'm glad I just kind of give that a little space, but uh, so you know, obviously like a big trend right now is in uh, digital education, online learning and everything. So, you know, given especially, you know, the past two years and, you know, you know, even prior to that, I guess, like how does online learning factor into your strategy supporting students with this uh, kind of knowledge acquisition? Absolutely. So like, I mean, our, our, our technology is a software and um, we deliver it via, again, gamification to the student feels like a puzzle game. The parents and teachers are getting, you know, very detailed reports um, and actually teacher training at the student's level. And I think like that's kind of where I think the e-learning has to head because like there's a lot of stuff out there that's just trying to be entertaining. And that's the challenge, right? The challenge is, is like if we're communicating to the student that this has to be entertaining in order for you to do it, then A, like, if it's not entertaining, they don't have to do it. So now we got to make everything entertaining, right? But in reality, true learners, people who went and got PhDs like me, the learning 
is the reward. You see what I mean? Like solving the puzzle, mm-hmm. that is the reward, right? And, and, and so like putting the ball in the hoop, that's the reward, right? Like that's why Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan's because that was the reward to him. When the ball went in the hoop, he loved it. And so like, really, if we can, if we can get our children to love learning for learning's sake, that's what we all want. Now, some of them have already gone down a path and a lot of them are going to resist it because it's at first it feels like work. We human beings, you know, might treat it like work to us. It's actually work because we actually have to teach that. So like, what do you, what do you do? Right. But like, um, I think online, like the direction it's going to head is to become a tool for the teacher and the classroom to, you know, accomplish the goal, right? Like if it could become an arm rather than trying to automate. And if we focus on goals such as success rather than entertainment, then like, I mean, our, our software is effective in 10 minutes per day. And like my main thought was, was if the student only has to use it 10 minutes per day, then it doesn't really matter how entertained they are by it because sooner or later, that love of puzzles will, will develop. If they just use it five, 10 minutes a day, sooner or later, they're gonna get into, how do, I, how do I get the answer right? How do I put the ball in the hoop? Yeah, well, I guess like the gamification kind of helps with, like it gives you just a very clear, like learning path, like progression, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it just makes it more like visual and uh, tangible and everything. And then I think just generally, like obviously online learning is gonna be more, uh, accessible and kind of, um, you know, you know, allows for flexibility, um, as well. So, uh, yeah, just a lot, a lot of benefits, I think, to having it kind of start as that software and certainly could be, you know, utilized by students in a school in a computer lab or, you know, students learning from home or anything like that. So there's definitely a you know, long list of, uh, our, our goal while creating this thing was literally it must run anywhere because the mission was empower children with mathematics. And we didn't exactly know like where this would be run. Maybe it would be in a nonprofit in, on like Chromebooks. Maybe it would be on an iPad that's brand new. We just don't know. Right. So let's make it so it can run basically everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Cause uh, yeah, it could be this like, you know, after school, uh, program or in a school, uh, yeah, or at someone's home, and yeah, just it, be, it could be Africa, yeah. and they could be powering their laptop with a solar panel. We don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think that's like the idea too. Where like, just with you saying that too, I don't like um, the idea of trying to keep it like fairly lean. You know, like that idea of knowing it's like, well, okay, this could run on any number of like devices and operating systems and all that. Like, you know, sometimes like. Uh, online learning like there's a desire to like kind of just like make it chock full of media and all these different things but like you know yeah make it crash somebody's device if it's like there's just so many different ways that people have to think about like how do i monetize it most of this stuff for children they're like producing um they're producing the device i mean they're buying a device and then they're dressing it up but like they're producing the device uh, for the parent as well you see what i mean so like we're just taking an opposite approach. Like, can we just be ubiquitous on what's out there so that the parent can just get their kid into it? Because to us, it is that important. Like, yeah. 
Um, well, because I guess like the like you're saying like because there are things out there where it's like basically like a single use little like math learning tablet or something <laughs> like uh, so it's like yeah like we're trying to get people to buy this like piece of hardware that just like does a thing versus like well we could be like used Look, by anybody the, anywhere kind of thing yeah like <laughs> for the investors that brings the revenue up you see what I mean like the problem is is that the that the business world the way it's designed the way like i mean not like designed intentionally but like the way it's kind of shaken out right is that like when an investor gets into a company they need the revenue to go up even if there's not profit and they need like um the next round to be at a higher quote-unquote valuation because like they are a vc fund meaning they collected human beings money saying yeah we're going to deliver you some sort of return on this money right so like mm -hmm. right like so like they are going to say to a company or something, yes, why don't you produce like some sort of a, uh, a you know, like a device of some sort. And like, um, then your, your, your lifetime value of your customer will become this. It's just, again, a math game, right? So like you're seeing right there live, how mathematics helps you with business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just sort of an unintentional, uh, you know, sort of application example there, but right. um, but yeah, that's so... that's the, the current direction for the current reasons, right? So that's why I'm saying, like, if there are more business leaders out there who actually look at a mission where the mission um, is pointed, right? Empower children with mathematics, uh, empower children with reading, you know, or whatever, right? And you look at that and you start to measure the barometers of success for that, you would be producing actual value for human beings, in which case they will then pay you. So that's the philosophy that we're running our business on. Well, then, you know, uh, I think that's a natural segue, you know, as we're kind of like winding down here, you know, yeah, you've committed to this work and it's an honorable mission. Uh, it's kind of just time well spent to support students with, uh, you know, their, their math learning and confidence and everything. Uh, so what are you looking forward to in your work, you know, uh, as you look towards the horizon? Well, so we're actually just opening up uh, for schools. I think this, this software will be released next week, but we got to undergo the testing. Um, so like, but basically um, we're opening it up so that like a school can get this for all of the children inside of the school uh, for just $1,000 per year. So um Basically, all of their teachers would be able to come into the, the, the wonderful teacher platform that we have now, which um, we, we've got several teachers um, like just kind of beating down our door saying, like, we wish our school could buy this. And um, and the hope is, is that, like, uh, by doing that, we can bring in a, a significant number of schools so that they can start to show the success that the students are having. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, and that's awesome. That's got to be uh, the name of the game for sure. Is uh, obviously the, the tool itself is accessible to students, that being you know set up the way it is. But then you know being able to uh, kind of make all the dollars and cents work for school districts around the country and everything um, is also uh, also important. So um, yeah, that's great to hear. Um, well, then uh, we always like to kind of give a tip of the hat if there's other any resources uh, yours or otherwise. Uh, I feel like it'd be relevant for this topic that we could include in the show notes. Um, yeah, there's some research from 
like the education department at the University of Denver to the importance of mathematics. Um, it was a policy brief from 2013. I could send you the link. It's a PDF. I could also send you the PDF, but the link's probably better. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, having kind of that basis of uh, research, um, yeah, definitely have, you know, it's up to kind of frame uh, sort of an issue or kind of appropriate uh, solutions and things. So appreciate you uh, sending that along. But um, yeah, you know, our last question is always just a, an opportunity for you to share a final thought or call to action on this topic to end the episode. Sure. Um, yeah, if you want to learn more about elephant learning, uh, just visit our website at elephantlearning.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for your time and all that you shared. And uh, we'll have ways to yeah, connect with you and uh, your work there at Elephant Learning in the show notes as usual. But uh, yeah, just uh, a good conversation. I learned a lot. And uh, yeah, just thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.